It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans? Welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, we're joined by Kat Terrell to talk OTAs and her transition from Louisiana and Louisiana State to covering the Cincinnati Bengals. As always, we have a few sponsors to tell you about today, and I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that our podcast is available on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, and on the new podcasting app, Himalaya. Now, on to the sponsor spiel. The first is Hotels.com. Make sure you check out Hotels.com for any travel that you've got coming up to make sure you're getting rewarded for your travel. Second is a couple of sponsors that have great ideas for Father's Day gifts. The first one of those is Untuck It. They make shirts that are designed to be untucked and still look good, still fit right. Their shirts are designed to look good untucked and feel comfortable at work and on the weekend. Go to untuckit.com and use promo code MBA to get 20% off. Last is Grip 6 Belts. Joe loves these. Ultra lightweight, no holes, no flap, low profile. Special offer available for you right now at grip6.com slash lock. That's grip6.com slash L-O-C-K-E. I'm going to get you the uh, American flag one, Jake. Perfect. Can I also have a shield made out of vibranium? Yeah, and it's the size of a belt buckle trying to deflect bullets with that, with your um, pelvis. (laughs) Hey, man, if it protects part of me, I'm going to be happy. Last sponsor to tell you about today is our old friends at Abco Safety. Stay tuned for the break to hear about the sweet stuff you can get through Abco and the discounts available to you if you mentioned Locked On Abco when you give them a call at 513-672-1818 for all your safety needs. Joe, we are reacting to OTAs. The big news that we didn't talk about on yesterday's podcast is Cordy Glenn is playing left guard while Clint Bowling is on the rehab field. Nobody seems to be challenging Bobby Hart at right tackle. We, of course, there's a lot of time. Before even training camp starts, that somebody could step in and be competition. And that might even be Clint Bowling, who has played okay at left tackle so maybe he could step in and play right tackle or at least challenge for the He's right finished tackle the game spot. at right tackle in his career also but the the obvious question is why not just move cordy glenn to right tackle and i you say we're um, reacting and some say we're overreacting right and it's because it's the only news it's the big news it's the biggest news since they've drafted jonah williams because that was the the question was um 
where does Williams fit in and, and what's the repercussions? And it could have been left tackle. If they want to keep him at left tackle, it could be moving Cordy Glenn to right tackle, or it could have been right tackle, leaving Cordy Glenn alone at left tackle, where he's been for his entire NFL career. The last sure. time Cordy Glenn played guard, of course, as was pointed out by Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com, was when Clint Bowling was his left tackle at Georgia. Now yeah. Clint Bowling is injured, and who knows where he fits in. And I do want to give the caveat of we're, we're reacting to this because this is the only news we have. And it's been reported by three different beat writers that Cordy Glenn had a conversation with Jim Turner and said, mm-hmm. you know what? Sure, I'll move to left guard for the team. So Cordy yep. Glenn is your left guard. Christian Westerman, what does this mean for Christian Westerman? Is he going to get tries at right guard to beat out uh, uh, John, Miller? John Miller? No, I don't think so. I and don't think you, so either. I think that conversation was key to me hitting the next level of freak out. Because uh, it's not just him sliding there because Clint Bowling is out. It's They had a conversation after Jonah Williams was drafted of, well, guys, Jonah Williams is our left tackle. Uh, Cordy, you're moving the left guard. So that either means one of two things. Even if it does mean that it's an open competition at left guard and Clint Bowling and Cordy Glenn, when Bowling's back in training camp, are going to battle it out at left guard. Uh, that's fine, right? It's Kind of fine. I think those are two of your five best offensive linemen, so you're potentially benching or and or cutting one. One of the guys you just uh, gave up basically a second-round pick for in, in Cordy Glenn a year later, potentially cut or moving positions. I think either one is not ideal for what they paid for him. Um, and that's not even the worst part, in my opinion. The worst part is that, as we talked about in our worst fears, I realized that uh, Bobby Hart is going unchallenged at right tackle. Now, I, I, I said this on Twitter a little bit. Uh, what are the scenarios to save us? Is it that Bobby Hart plays so bad? If Bobby Hart plays like 2018, and this time the coaching staff reacts and says, whoa, we can't have this. Our offense cannot sustain with uh, one of the worst right tackles in the league starting right on the right side. We have to make a change, and then they move Clint Bowling or Cordy Glenn or whatever the case may be, and they find their five, their true five best. Because right now I've listed it. They're starting their five guys that are owed the most cash in 2019. The other scenario, of course, that could work out is that Bobby Hart takes a step and defies this podcast in particular and many Bengals fans and says, you know what? The NFL world. Yeah, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be an average right tackle. Maybe. Maybe you, you, I don't, there's no conviction in your voice. There. Stranger things have happened. We'll just yeah. say that the Bengals remember when Chad Johnson guaranteed a victory over the undefeated Kansas city chiefs and the Bengals went out there and won. That was pretty wild. Bobby Hart could be an average right tackle. You don't even believe this. I think no. the other uh, good sign was from Paul Denner of the athletic. And he said, uh, drew sample, not making any big proclamations with this tweet. I think it was the gist of it, but he said, uh, um, sample looks the part and moves well and runs well and catches well. And I said that that was, and he said runs routes well too, I think was part of the tweet. I okay, think. good. And, and if that, if I'm remembering it correctly, that was a big deal for me. I said, right. when somebody asked us this question a few weeks ago, what does, what does Drew Sample need to do to make you feel better about the pick? I told, I, I answered the question was, well, I need to hear that he's out there making splash plays in training camp and, and catching somebody's eye. And I'm sure Paul Dana was watching him more closely because he's a second-round pick under a, under a great deal of scrutiny. Sure. But all that said, if, if that's his first camp, is his first day of practice with the veterans and he looked good, 
I'm happy about that. Guys stand out amongst each other. It's, re- it's the reason why I love the Senior Bowl so much because instantly someone can be like, wow, who's this guy? Or, or look how this guy moves compared to the rest of those guys at the position. So if Paul Denner notices Drew Sample right away and maybe he's focusing on him, but maybe he's not. Maybe he's, whoa, who's that tight end? Oh, it's Sample. He's moving quickly. He's big. Look at him. Look at that route. Then that is exactly what you want to hear because uh, – you do like the way he moves. You do like the things he flashes on tape. You just don't get it enough from the receiving standpoint at Washington. So, yeah. um, you know, you hoped he would he would just be a misuse at Washington, and they bring him in, and he's everything they they dream they dreamt of, or pretty much tried to sell us on. Yeah. Um, for me, the other part was Zach Taylor made some comments that uh, the defense was much further ahead of the offense, and. Uh, they were getting pressure. The defensive line was winning. He said B.W. Webb had a good day also, even though he said he'd like to see more turnovers from the defensive side. Again, we don't get much detail yet on what they're doing on the defensive side or how they're creating that pressure or where guys are lining up. But I would say that is a um, expected sign because I think defenses are normally ahead at this point. But something uh, I think we're all welcome to hear after the defense and the way they played last year. I think also probably more changes happening perhaps on the offensive side of the ball. And of course, this is speculative, but I think that perhaps the defense is coming in and they're seeing like, okay, this is what you guys did with Marvin Lewis. This is what worked pretty well for this unit under Marvin Lewis. Well, let's implement a few of our own ideas and maybe do something similar. Because I think a Marvin Lewis, Mike Zimmer, Paul Gunther defense, whoever you want to attribute it to, is a gold standard in a lot of ways around the NFL for for a 4-3 base defense. Oh yeah, for sure. And their so, concepts. Yeah, I'm sure their concepts are everywhere, right? So, that, and I think most of the defense is returning in terms of health, where it yes. seems like when you looked at well, the list of guys on, on the side, most of them were offensive. Well, A.J. Green's on the on the rehab field. Joe Mixon I was on the rehab field today for something Mixon, undisclosed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that that's a good point. And, and it was interesting because it sounded like some of the problems on the offensive side of the ball were maybe communication and timing-based. He said the ball was on the ground a lot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which you expect that to get worked out pretty quick. You do, especially uh, I I would say it's probably because of rookie quarterback. You know, often those guys aren't under center, even though Finley was. uh, But exchanges with uh, new centers and and or um, Billy Price had some issues last year with snapping. That's how Andy Dalton got hurt, if you remember. There's also uh, at least a picture that you tweeted and Kat Terrell tweeted about this as well. And we'll ask her about this shortly. And that's that there's more pre-snap motion happening. There's that one picture from Bengals.com of, yeah. or was it Bengals.com of the it handoff was. going to Geo and Erickson was running, you know, as if he had just completed the jet sweep motion. And, yeah, I'm looking at all the pictures of camp just to see if anything stands out right. Sometimes right. I like to look at players to see if I, and normally I can see quickly, oh, this guy's gained weight, upper body weight, whatever the case may be. So I go through the pictures normally first time at camps. Um, and instantly I see Erickson running the jet sweep on a picture and I go, okay, we've got no confirmation of what exactly they're running. But that was a staple, maybe the biggest staple I can, I would point to of the Rams offense last year and seeing Erickson do it right away um, got me excited. Yeah, I, I agree. So all in all, I think there's some really promising signs coming out of the first day of camp. AJ Green seems heartened by it. Carlos Dunlap, we talked about yesterday, seemed pretty encouraged by what he's seeing on the defensive side of the ball. Yesterday, we talked about John Ross tweeting that he's feeling really confident. And you've got a litany of guys coming back from injury, it sounds like, on schedule, including a couple of those defensive linemen we talked about yesterday and Ryan Glasgow and Carl Lawson. 
So if guys can get healthy, if guys can stay healthy, getting through the first day of OTAs, healthy is always nice. Or not OTAs. Is it OTAs? Whatever it is. It's nice to see that the guys are coming out healthy when there are injuries happening around the league. So after a quick break, we'll be back with Kat Terrell to talk about what she's seen firsthand as much as she can talk about because I believe some of the stuff maybe she's not allowed to talk about. There's some restrictions that we've been reading about. We should ask about that. We will. Before we get there, though, let's talk about ABCO safety. As we've talked about for nine whole times now, this is our 10th episode sponsored by ABCO Safety. It's a safety and industrial distributor located in the Cincinnati area. They serve customers from industries such as manufacturing, construction, environmental, and food service, and even more, helping them coordinate their overall safety programs and budgets. They're currently partnering with 3M with exciting offers on a bunch of fall protection gear, including a safety helmet, the X5000 that we've talked about, which meets ANSI Z89.1, tested to the various impact and penetration requirements of the European EN12492, the DBI solid nano lock that we've talked about that complies with OSHA's 1910.140 general industry standards, and ANSI Z359.14 Class A and B standards. The last thing that they are promoting with 3M is the 3M Protective Full Body Harness Line, a bunch of different harnesses, ANSI compliant as well. Should be a lot more comfortable than what you're using today. Joe, what else are you looking at on Abco Safety today? I've got a few things in my cart because, uh, you know, I like to do a lot of art in, in my free time. And uh, so I, I'm going to grab some disposable gloves. But I need some uh, air filter cartridges for my half mask for when I'm painting with my um, air compressor, my airbrush kit. So that and also I've got some disposable masks for when I'm cutting some of the tall grass. I don't like the bugs jumping in my face. You know what you should do, Joe, is you should give them a call at 513-672-1818 and mention Locked On Abco to get 15% off your first order. I will do that. And you should too, listeners. If you or your employer needs some safety gear or consulting on your safety program, give Abco Safety a call at 513-672-1818. Mention Locked On Abco when you call to get 15% off your first order. Help a local business out in Cincinnati and support the podcast. We'll be right back with Kat Terrell. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're joined this evening by Kat Terrell of ESPN.com. You can find her on Twitter, of course, at Kat Terrell. She is a Louisiana State grad who covered the Saints before coming up to Cincinnati to cover the Bengals. And recently, I'm sure you've all noticed, if you follow her on Twitter, has dipped her toes into some horse racing stuff. Yeah, uh, I have probably blown up people's Twitter feeds with horse racing. Um, Apologize, but hopefully everyone that has been reading my tweets learned a little bit about this craziness that happened at the Derby a few weeks ago that has continued on and on and on and hopefully will 
go away soon. But, uh, yeah, it's been fun doing some other stuff uh, while we actually get ready for football to come back. And we did have a little bit of football, of course, yesterday. The OTAs were open to the media for at least a part of the practice. And you got a chance to talk to some of the guys. I know everyone's talking about Jonah Williams was a left tackle. Uh, Cordy Glenn was at left guard. The rest of the offensive line that might have changed things up seems to be hurt. So as the rest of it's as we expect, Billy Price, John Miller, Bobby Hart. Yeah, I I keep saying it's hard for me to really know exactly what the offensive line is going to look like. For the most part, I kind of can envision it, but Clint Bowling is the real outlier here. I don't really know what's going on with him. He was working on the rehab field during practice, um, doing a workout, you know, along with half the rest of the team, it seems like. And it just starts to make you wonder because Bowling had been considered maybe the odd man out. And you're wondering, all right, are we? is he hurt? Are we going to see him before training camp? Is the team thinking they want to trade him? I mean, he's really the wild card here. So I'm curious if he does come back to practice and practices, then whose spot does he take now that Cordy Glenn appears to be at left guard and they seem to want to throw Jonah Williams in at left tackle right away? So um, that's kind of the big question mark as we go into week two of OTAs or look ahead to week two and that is a big question we talked about on the podcast earlier today even it's a can he play right tackle he's finished a game at right tackle is there any chance that they're going to give Bobby Hart some competition at the right tackle spot and if they do it seems like they're not interested in it because you'd think Cordy Glum would be the first guy but if they do is Clint Bowling potentially somebody they would consider well I would I would think so he's played tackle before and he actually played really well I don't think Clint considers himself a tackle, but I also don't think Cordy Glenn considers himself a guard. I think clearly this coaching staff is kind of thinking, well, we're going to put you where we want to put you and you're going to figure it out. But yeah, I mean, I would think they would say, hey, Clint played pretty well at tackle uh, last year or the year before. I mean, maybe we should give him a shot, but um, I just wonder how long it's going to be before we see him back at practice. I'm not quite sure what's going on there and I haven't had a chance to ask him and also Alex Redmond wasn't at practice this week uh for whatever reason right and then of course Bengals fans want to know well what does this mean for Christian Westerman that means he doesn't have a (laughs) shot at left guard anymore if they're going to put Cordy Glenn there because they're not going to pay a guy nine and what is it nine and a half nine million dollars to play left guard and put him on the bench there's no way well probably not but I think at least in Westerman's case or I guess the good, the good part about all this is that Westerman does get a clean slate. Uh, the coaching staff, as everyone knows, was very reluctant to play him last year. So I guess he, he's going to get his shot at practice maybe. But like you said, it's really hard to go up against these guys that are getting paid a lot of money to produce. So it's kind of hard to knock those guys out, especially when the coaching staff has already started to create their vision for that position. And this is a point we made about Bobby Hart as well. When Joe and I, of course, it's no secret, didn't love the the re-signing, at least at the money and the years for Bobby Hart. I don't think either of us would have minded if he's back on a similar contract and it looks like he's going to be a swing tackle, but they're paying him, you know, second, third tier starting tackle money. It's, it's enough money that you think, well, he's a presumptive starter at right tackle. And then you have guys like they, they put a second round tender 
on Hopkins and you have Christian Westerman who everybody wants to see play and every Bengals fan is worried okay maybe we've got another Evan Mathis on our hands and we're just watching this all happen and it looks like at least the first iteration of the line isn't going to make people that agree with Joe and I very happy. Well the Bobby Hart contract isn't as bad as it seemed when the numbers first came out I will say that but I'll also say, as has been talked about ad nauseum, I don't understand why they felt this rush to sign him. Right. I, I think, you know, his agent did a good job convincing the team that he had a lot of other offers. And then, of course, they made that infamous quote about how you can't find tackles at Walmart, which, you know, just made the whole situation worse. Um, but, that was wild. Yeah, I, yeah, I think they realized the backlash. I mean, they saw the backlash. I think they got very defensive about it. Um but I, I still don't. At first, I thought, yeah, he's they're paying him. He's definitely starting. But now, just seeing how this coaching staff has operated just a little bit, I'm not to that unless they just think, hey, no one else is a better option until next year. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, I think that probably concludes the conversation about the offensive line. Kat, I did say we would talk a little bit about you and how you got from Louisiana to Cincinnati and how you managed to come up there without an accent. That's so confusing to so many people. Yeah, the funny thing is, um, for most of my life, when I would meet strangers, they would ask if I was from the Midwest because they didn't have an accent. Or maybe the Midwest has an accent, which I don't know. Um, but people in Baton Rouge don't really have accents. That's where I grew up, uh, spent most of my life. I covered LSU as an intern for the Times Picayune in college, then actually got my first job with the Picayune out of college covering the Saints and horse racing. Very random, but they needed a horse racing rider, and no one watches horse racing except me, apparently. So, uh, I got the job that way, started covering the Saints, and then about after three or four years, ESPN asked if I would move to Cincinnati. So here I am. It's been a great uh, – wow. <laughs> this is already going to be my fourth season, so it's been a great three years. Goes by quickly, huh? It really does, even though they haven't really been very good since I got here. I think some That's people right. thought I cursed the team. Sorry. Was it I haven't considered that. 2016 then? It must have been. Or was it 2015? Yeah. Okay. 16. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. It's definitely you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've heard it. this a lot. Actually, like, I get very angry tweets like, you cursed the team. Please go back home. Okay, guys. Bo, Bo Jackson cursed the team and Pete Rose cursed the city. Those are the two curses in Cincinnati. I will say I have seen some of the mean tweets sent to you, and uh, that's definitely something I think you deal with more than the average uh, sports writer. Well, I'm a very sarcastic person by nature, so I always tend to have to shoot back at people, which gets me in trouble. But, um, yeah, some of the tweets are just so ridiculous, you just can't help but laugh and then retweet them, and then it makes them angrier, and it's kind of funny. But most of most fans, like 98% of fans are awesome. Yeah, 
I mean, Joe, you've heard me complain about some of the tweets I get, too. Yeah, that's right. Yours are on a different level, though, because you hate Captain America. I, I don't like Cat's ass. Uh, that is a published fact. So, Cat, we, 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 know how, we know why at least you're covering sports racing now. Let's take some time to talk about the defense. I know you said you spent most of your time watching the offense. I think everybody did. Actually, you know what? Before we get there, Drew Sample. He drew some praise from A.J. Green I saw today, said the rookie tight end looks good. Drew some praise from Paul Danner Jr. Did you notice Drew Sample? Did he stand out? Um, I, I didn't notice him as much as Paul did just because I was watching a few other positions, but I think he did make some nice catches, and I think that he's probably going to be better than people think. I mean, it was interesting. I told this story on Twitter when I – when he got picked, uh, I tweeted something about him, and someone involved in the NFL who has no affiliation with the Bengals really texted me and just said, hey, I just want you to know he's he was really drawing praise from scouts, and he wouldn't have gone past the – I don't know if he said second or third round, but he said he wouldn't have lasted much longer, and the media really didn't catch up on that. So I thought it was interesting that this guy reached out to say that. So – I don't know that he unfortunately for him, he really is going to have to have a great year because he fans otherwise are just going to wonder why they made that pick. I think it's rare for them to be out in front of something. You know, like normally as a as a big draft guy and when you see them make a value pick or or usually in their drafts, it's like you can look at the the top of the board and say, okay, it should be one of these top 10 guys they're going to pick. And they're traditionally in there. Um, It's normally the teams, the Patriots or the the Seahawks that'll go off script completely and pick a Drew sample. And you're like, well, shouldn't this guy go like three rounds later? And they prove us wrong later, you know, two, three years down the line. So uh, I think that's definitely why I think so many fans want to talk about Drew Sample. If this was a organization that had more of a track record of doing this and making this type of pick, I don't think it'd be such a big conversation. But uh, yeah, I do. Th- I agree. I think a lot of pressure is being put on him because they're going out in front of everyone and saying we think he's way better than everyone else in the football world. Oh, well, I should say the media um, uh, thought he was. Yeah, I mean, and I totally get why fans were wondering what where the heck that pick came from, especially at the time, considering they had other needs. And I mean, as you pointed out fans kind of have no trust in this organization right now after years of so i mean they tend to draft okay but they've had some questionable picks like gabwehi and fisher as we know and i think people just don't trust the organization kind of not think not realizing hey i mean this is not the marvin lewis Bengals anymore it's a totally new coaching staff but i don't know i i get it but i think we should let the guy maybe show it on the field for a f- at least a few weeks before we totally write them off. Uh, I don't know. I guess well, that's the fun of the draft, right? Yeah. I, I mean, totally. And and maybe you can blame Washington for that to some degree as well, if they really just grossly misused him. I, I mean, the story mm-hmm. was that he beat Jesse Bates, who everybody that's a Bengals fan loves, on a seam. And he, and he beat yeah. – and, and he caught the ball on Jesse Bates. I mean, that that speaks, I think – more than any of the other specifics we've heard that, that he was able to beat Jesse Bates on the seam. And that's the kind of weapon that you're looking for if he's going to be, you know, similar to the same kind of blocker he was at the college level, even though that I think is probably, you know, it's right up there with the difficulty of adjusting. The tight end position is really hard to come from tight end to the NFL just because there's so much that position is asked to do. 
Right, and they've people have been longing for uh, the next Eifert for so long. I mean, no one can really depend on Eifert, and they have no star tight end. So I think people have a lot of hope that they can find that next guy. But like like you said, he's got a lot of pressure on him, so he's going to have to have a big year. But, yeah, I mean, this week was a good start. I mean, Bates is pretty fast, so... Uh, not a bad first week for the rookie, I think. But I, w- I wish we could watch the other OTA practices. It's so hard making projections off of one practice a week. But so it goes in these So that's days. what you, you're only getting one a week then for access? Yeah, I mean, but that's always how it is. Mm. I don't think any team lets uh, reporters in for more than one day a week during OTAs. Okay. Every now and then, Kat was saying the team sites might get a little bit. They might get to talk to some guys. They might get some some tidbits here or there. But it seems like that's par for the course. So, Kat, let's talk about the defense. I know everyone's paying attention to you know Zach Taylor and and the Sean McVay system coming over. What what are we seeing on the defensive side of the ball? I listened to the Bengals Booth podcast today. It sounds like. Uh, Preston Brown is the is the second nickel linebacker with Nick Vigil. Mm-hmm. Jermaine Pratt isn't out there a ton yet, or maybe isn't out in the nickel. He hasn't signed his contract yet. What else did you notice on the defensive side of the football? Well, they were in nickel most of the time. Um, I was sitting there trying to – a lot of what I do during OTAs is, is marking down where people are playing and who's with the first team, who's with the second team. And, and they were in nickel a majority of the time. Um, I, I guess to compensate for what the offense was doing, as I tweeted, the offense actually did have a different look a little bit, used more um, pre-snap movements, things like that, I guess, to catch the defense off guard. But I thought it was a good sign that, first of all, that Brown was out there, you know, after the, the great linebacker injury, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, of 2018, it's good to even see him out there. Um, Taylor actually mentioned, uh, unprompted that he thought that the defense won the day, um, which I guess, you know, this early isn't anything to write home about, but I thought it was interesting that he said that, but after last year, you can really only go up, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He mentioned BW Webb also. I assume he's playing in the slot with Dark West Denardo. Yes. He was the primary, uh, nickel corner. Um, I saw Harris in there a couple times with the ones. It was mostly Webb. Um, sorry, I'm looking at. I'm trying to look at my notebook till I see where I see who I wrote down. But yeah, um, Denard so was in the uh, slot though. Also, no, I think Harris was. Um, he was on the other side of the field, so I think he was the okay. other outside corner on the particular place that I saw him. But Webb was in the slot primarily with the ones. Okay. Which makes which makes sense. That's nothing yep. surprising. Did you happen to notice who was in the slot with the twos? I did not. Sorry, I know that's with... super unhelpful. Oh no, that's but... okay. Well, like Darius I said, Phillips my... is out also, so I, that's why I wondered yeah. if it was Harris at that point getting with the twos. Um, just based on his ability and size, I think he'd be a good good person to slide inside. No, they seem to be like kind of moving the DBs around a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So with the twos, I was probably looking more at what was happening with the offensive line. So mm-hmm. I wasn't, I, I didn't see uh, as much there. It's probably got to be hard to figure out what they're doing anyways, without Carl Lawson out there. Cause I think if he's healthy, 
um, that gives them some of their most flexibility. So, yeah. I, you know, looking at it right now, it's probably Sam Hubbard in that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, where's Jordan Willis? I mean, he's kind of the guy we don't talk about anymore. With a, After Hubbard last year and then playing well as a rookie, playing probably better than Willis has ever played, and then signing Kerry Wynn, that's probably going to kick inside and be their rotational guy that's going to be uh, the vers- versatile defensive lineman. Where does Jordan Willis fit in? I mean, I will tell you, I did not notice Willis – um at all Uh-oh. during OTAs. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's just where my eyes happen to be going. Okay. Um but I think that Willis was on un- you know, Willis is a quiet guy. He's not gonna sit there and be vocally uh he's not gonna vocally complain about things, but my impression was that he was not very happy with how he was used last year. Mm. I mean they only used him in base. I think mm-hmm. that Willis thinks that he can rush the passer just as well as anyone else. And I think that he would have liked to have those opportunities mm. and they just didn't give it to him. You know, they really were kind of set in how they wanted to use them. And I think just projecting a little bit, I think that was very frustrating for him. So I would be interested to see if the team tries to move him around more or mix and match a little bit more because they kind of stuck him in a, Roll and never moved from that last year, but I think that happened to quite a few guys, to be completely honest. Yeah, once once the injuries start happening, right? No, I I mean, like I I feel like the coaching staff with certain guys had Mm -hmm. just this thought of how they wanted to use them or not use them, and it just never changed the whole season unless until they, like you said, with injuries, until they had to. But when when people were healthy, they just kind of I think they thought, all right, this guy is doing this, and we're not changing from that no matter what happens, but I, I don't know. Maybe you all saw something differently, but that was just my impression of how they use some guys. Well, I think that's what we've been complaining about with the Marvin Lewis coaching tenure yeah. is that, you know, Westerman was only allowed to play left guard. So when they had a guard injury, well, he wasn't the first one off the bench. And, right. you know, Billy Price is playing center. Russell Bodine's playing center, and they're not going to challenge him there. And, you know, some of the same stuff, Andre uh, Smith, they said he, we drafted him to play tackle, so he has to play tackle when Bobby right. Williams went down at right guard. This is Har- maybe before you get, but same same thing happened. Right. And Hardy Nickerson why, yeah. being the first linebacker <laughs> off the bench, you know, depending on which linebacker got hurt, like very strict roles last year. And generally, I think in the history, you're, you're seeing guys that get pigeonholed into John Ross is running a vertical route tree, and every now and then we'll run him on slants, but mostly he's running verticals, comebacks, and hitches. Yep. Right, or when they weren't using Ross at all. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, early in his um, rookie year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, same thing with same thing with Auden Tate. Um, I think everyone would have liked to see him get a chance. I mean, even to see how he would have done in the red zone, and he never did because mm-hmm. once he ran, once he cut that route short, when his that one snap he got, it was it. And I, I thought that was a little unfair, but I'm not the coach. Um, it was unfair. You, yeah. you can say it now. <laughs> I mean, I would have liked to have seen him get, you know, maybe he would have failed, but at that point, what did it matter? Right. Um, but I did, I think they, they, I think they're probably going to try to use him more. I did see Josh Malone a lot yesterday. Um, for whatever reason, he caught my eye a lot. So maybe it's because he was hurt and I didn't see him as much last year, but mm. he seemed to be utilized a lot. They were moving Ross around a lot. So, I think that bodes well for him. Um, sorry, I know I put the conversation back on offense. I'm just kind of okay. trying to go through my thoughts about what I saw the other day. 
Well, we've talked a lot about Ross and how he's saying, you know, he's feeling more confident. He tweeted out and how we said, well, you got to move him and it's good to know that they're moving him. And it sounds like they're going to be using some of those concepts that we've talked about with Brandon Cooks in Los Angeles. And we've been saying, well, this should work for John Ross. So that's encouraging to see. And maybe, you know, Josh Malone is standing out because obviously AJ Green isn't on the field. So he's probably out there with the ones a little bit more. Right. And that's that's probably just what it is. You know, I talked to AJ the other day and he said, don't expect to see him at OTAs. Probably I get the impression probably not minicamp, but I don't know. He, he just said he didn't know. But he was saying, you know, why rush it? And I agree with him. AJ shouldn't play at all until training camp, in my opinion. Neither Especially should I. Especially until he has a contract extension, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's going through his mind maybe that's part of it maybe that's part of it with bowling i don't know but yeah there's no reason to rush your star player back from a field in may i mean i really don't think so I agree how do you feel about the extensions though boyd and green uh do you think uh one is prioritized or both mm, no I, I mean i think they both are I, when i when i talk to ownership they want to extend both of them they didn't indicate that one was prioritized over the other but when i talked to them at the owners meetings we went through the players and you know aj was yes we want to extend them dalton was not yet which i know kind of seemed like a big deal but you know how they work they never really do these big extensions till their final year of their contract anyway so i don't know if that really meant anything Mm -hmm. but it is a debate with aj I, i i kind of see both sides i think the Bengals love him and want to extend him, but I also see the side of, hey, he's over 30. He's coming off an injury. If you're going to extend him, how much money are we talking on how big of the risk is it? Because you're talking about a third contract for a receiver, and that's kind of Rare. a toss-up. Yeah, it's. but I also I don't know why I think this, but I don't think that that injury is going to linger. I think that he's going to be fine, but you know, I'm not a I'm not a psychic. I could be totally wrong and he could get hurt in a few months. So that's what they have to weigh. And you have to extend Boyd. He's younger. He's coming off a breakout season that's extended back to the season before. I mean, Boyd, Boyd needs to be a priority, but are are you really going to ignore your potential hall of fame receiver? I mean, so I think they'll figure out how to make it work with both of them. They usually seem to with the positions they actually value. How much does uh, John Ross factor in, though? I mean, you know, you, sp- you invested in the ninth pick. You haven't gotten what you wanted for that investment yet. And uh, with at least two years, or maybe if they pick up the fifth-year option, with, with the time remaining on his contract, you have to at least factor in the potential that he hits his potential. And then what do you do? You have three really good, high-paid receivers. I mean, that, I, I, I don't know how I would navigate this scenario. But then you're talking about years down the road. Well, okay. Three years down the road, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're talking about several years down the road when the salary cap is theoretically true. going up again. And they're all going to be on different – I mean, their contracts are going to end at different times. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're sitting there thinking like, oh, well, we have to factor Ross into Boyd and Green because he hasn't proven it yet. I mean, he really hasn't. And it's weird because if you looked at his numbers, you would say, oh, he had all these touchdowns last year, but that's such an anomaly. And he was so, so inconsistent. So I think he has to have a really 
big year this year and t- for them to really look at him and say, all right, we need to start thinking ahead to his extension. Because right now he's just a guy. There was an Evan Silva tweet today of the players that are last in the NFL in yards per route run and what happened to them the next year. And for three years in a row, the guys flamed out. That includes uh, Greg Little was the one name that stands out to me on the list of guys that flamed Roddy out. Roddy White, end of his career. Roddy White, <laughs> the end of his career, right. John Ross last year was the bottom of the league in yards per route run. Now, the last two years, that's Rashard Higgins, who came back and had a pretty good year last year. And two years ago, it was Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, and he's been the comparable I think we've used in a lot of ways for Philadelphia, you know, a, a first-round pick that really struggled in their – offense because i think it was chip kelly still when they drafted him and uh mentally dealing with hurdles and and needing seem seemingly needed a fresh start and then all of a sudden the right offense gets in there with doug peterson and they know how to use him next thing you know he's a good player and i I think we're kind of hoping that's what happens with john ross wow i just pulled up that list early do set wow early do set that's there's your guy yeah. I have not heard that name in a long time. <laughs> I don't even remember him doing anything in the league. Me either. Uh, wasn't he with the Cardinals? He I got two touchdowns once. Hey, he had a good career at LSU. Nice I one. give him that. Uh, wow, I was not expecting to see that name. Yeah, that's really interesting. But, you know, like you said, Roddy White was kind of already on his way out. Uh, I guess Doucette was on his way out. I feel like he played <laughs> – feels like he played a million years ago. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I, I would not have pegged John Ross's yards per route to be that uh, little. Wow. He, he had one of the smallest percentages of catchable passes. He was way below where you would expect the average player to be for percentage of catchable passes for the number of targets he had especially. So that, that certainly didn't help, and he obviously had some issues with drops as well. And the, also, though, yeah. the yards per route run, because he'd go out there and he'd play – 50 snaps in some games and get one target. Yeah. So, you know, so routes yards per route run there, one catch, three yards and a touchdown, but you ran 45 routes. Well, that I mean, counts. It's gonna, yeah, yeah, it's going to kill you there. I mean, John Ross's issue is that he doesn't seem to finish plays. I, that's that's the one thing he's got to hmm. figure out because it really burned him a couple of times last year, as everyone saw. The interception against Carolina, um, there was one play he didn't, he didn't finish the play, but I think it ended up being taken back by a penalty. A couple of times he didn't finish her out. I mean, I don't know if he should have been as uh, called out for it as he was, but I, I don't know. I mean, it didn't happen as often as people think, but it did happen enough that the coaching staff probably had trouble trusting him. So it's kind of not surprising he didn't get that many balls thrown his way. And it was uh, that was hinted towards his rookie year. Remember the the Tennessee right. game where uh, he's supposed to continue running deep. Dalton lays it up there, uh, and from my vantage point, the Titans rotating coverage after the snap, I think confused Ross of like, oh, the ball's not coming to me. And mm-hmm. as we know, you can't have that mentality. Brandon right. LaFell takes him to the sideline. He's trying to tell him, and and you see Ross just wasn't listening at the time. And uh, Marvin, you know, doesn't go back to him the rest of the year. Yeah, Marvin called him out in the press conference the next week. I remember that. Um, <laughs> I was awkward. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he remembered. I, he said John Ross let his team down. Um, yeah, he just. I, I think it is a confidence thing, and I think he needed con- his confidence to be built up. I think last year probably 
went a long way towards that happening because he did have a rough beginning to the year and Andy Dalton still went back to him. And um, I think he had a nice game against the Panthers, the Panthers, uh, the Falcons, if I remember. And that was the big thing, you know, Oh, Andy Dalton went back to him after everything that happened and everything's fine. And, so, but I mean, now it's year three, and you can't use rookie excuses anymore. No, um, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what he can do, though. I mean, you know, he's got an offensive-minded coach. There's no excuses now. He's known this system, or he's known this quarterback and this team for a while. You know, it's kind of put up or shut up at this point. And I really do think that he can be good, but um, we'll just see. I mean, we'll see how the staff uses him. Well, Kat, thanks so much for coming on and joining us. We really appreciate the insights and the firsthand reports from OTAs. We'll give you a chance to say any last words, promote anything you'd like to promote before we let you go. Um, I will just say I I know that a lot of people are divided on whether or not this year is going to go really well or, or really bad. They don't know what to expect with Zach Taylor, but... From my perspective, the reason to be optimistic is this guy is not a guy who acts like he's a first-year coach. He really seems to know what he wants. You can see that with how they have moved the offensive line around already. Um, he's really confident. He seems to have a plan in place. You know, best laid plans don't always work, but I, I don't think this will be a situation where the guy is in over his head. Um, so if you want optimism, you know, there it is. Um, we'll see kind of what happens as the summer progresses, but I'm excited to watch and, uh, you can read my stuff at ESPN.com or follow me on Twitter at cat underscore Terrell. Well, thanks so much, cat. Have a great night. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Kat. Thanks for having me. That was Kat Terrell. We are very appreciative that she took time out of her busy schedule working on an investigative piece that you can look forward to from her. Not about the Bengals. I think I'm allowed to say that. Anyway, that'll do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. You can find us, of course, anywhere that podcasts are available. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on the new Himalaya app. Be sure to check that one out. If you like podcasts, Himalaya will have personally curated playlists for you and new features every day. And one last reminder, we haven't told you in a while, when you get in your car, make sure you tell your smart device to play the podcast, Locked on Bengals. For all of our sponsors, including Abco, SafetyHotels.com, Untuck It, where you can get 25% off your order by using promo code NBA, and Grip6 Belts, where there's a special offer waiting for you for your Father's Day gift at Grip6.com slash lock. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.